This ticker podcast is brought to you by Broadridge Financial Solutions. Imagine a magic a magical blockchains, blockchains are incredibly the future of money. The blockchain. Well, what if there was a better a blockchain technology like a big spreadsheet in the cloud? A chain of blocks. Whether your ballot is actually counted. Blockchain. Distributed ledger. Blockchain. Disparate ledger systems. So what is a blockchain? What problems do they solve? What is blockchain? What exactly is blockchain? You're listening to the Tigger Podcast from IR Magazine, a roundup of this week's leading stories and industry comment from the world of investor relations. Hi, everyone. You all know what the blockchain is, right? You're all hep to the chain, blockwise, right? Blockchain refers to a type of data structure that enables identifying and tracking transactions digitally and sharing this information across a distributed network of computers, creating in a sense a distributed trust network. Okay, but what, you may ask, does that mean for your weekend? Another way to put it is, what does blockchain mean for the future of corporate governance? And yet another way to put it is... What does the blockchain mean for voting at your AGM? Well, on today's program, we'll find out. There's three basic pain points, and by using a blockchain, solves that very quickly. If you love proxy plumbing, and who doesn't, you'll love this week's Ticker Podcast. That's next, but first, here's your IR News Update. ISS and the Council of Institutional Investors are ramping up their lobbying efforts against proxy advisor reforms. With the U.S. midterm elections looming, the groups have launched an anti-reform website, which, among other things, encourages voters to urge their senators not to vote for the measure. The bill's proponents say the proxy advisory business lacks transparency, is prone to inaccuracies, and its reports could be susceptible to conflicts of interest. Critics of H.R. 4015, such as ISS and CII, said it would undermine the independence and business of proxy advisors by giving companies the right to review proxy advisors' research reports before they go to investor clients. Earlier this month, CII Executive Director Ken Birch had this to say to MSNBC. Listen, I think the core issue is really executive pay. That's what's got various groups, such as the Main Street Investors Coalition, which is an AstroTurf group, uh, upset. Um, they, uh, companies, want uh, the, ex- uh, the opportunity to vet reports on executive pay and particularly recommendations and analysis before they go to investors. And most of the times, there's actually not that much disagreement. But uh, sometimes there is disagreement over executive pay, and I don't think it makes sense for the companies to have a right mandated by Congress to vet them before the investors see Do you them. believe that? Exchange-traded funds' assets are primed to jump from $4.7 trillion this year to $12 trillion five years from now. That's according to BlackRock CEO Larry Fink, speaking on the firm's latest earnings call. And while more and more ETFs are finding a home in institutional investor portfolios, their growing popularity has been a source of worry for some. IR Magazine's Jack Aldane asked BlackRock's Kurt Kuipers, head of ETF and index investments Netherlands, if he was concerned. 
There's an awful lot of passive investment in these vehicles, um, but um, but they are not necessarily buying into the actual shares. They're more buying into collateral. Is that is that accurate? And uh, is this a source of concern, perhaps, for uh, for the market currently? I don't think so. Uh, ETFs are using uh, indices, uh, and our fiduciary responsibility as an ETF provider is to follow these benchmarks. Um, so I think they're a good tool for investors, uh, and they're also relevant to IROs. Uh, once you're part of an index, it's obviously good to be aware of how an ETF functions. As an asset class, exchange-traded funds have propelled BlackRock to become the world's largest asset manager. Q3 earnings have been pouring in, and along with that, Corbin Advisors' latest institutional investor sentiment survey. And as I found out from Corbin CEO Rebecca Corbin, when it comes to investor sentiment, it's all about trade wars and tariffs. Your latest survey uh, uncovers a continued erosion of overall positive sentiment, and um, Donald Trump apparently thinks rising interest rates are the biggest headwind in terms of corporate performance this quarter. Uh, Is that how investors see it, too? Yeah, so, uh, you know, interestingly, interest rates are not the top of mind concern. It's actually trade wars and tariffs, and um, I had the opportunity to present at a uh, CEO conference last week, and there was a roundtable in terms of concerns that they have, what's top of mind. Uh, This was in the diversified industrial sector, and uh, tariffs were absolutely top of mind. And interestingly enough, it is affecting, obviously, public companies, but private companies as well. Um, And so that is where institutional investors are really um, concerned, and um, that came up as our number one topic of, of interest for earnings and also the number one concern. You know, from our perspective, in terms of managing this earnings call cycle, it's going to be very important for companies to have done the analysis, which many companies came out last quarter and provided insight into how the tariffs were impacting. Um, but we need to see more of the same in terms of this last $200 billion that was announced at the end of September and having companies really help quantify or at least qualify for investors what the impact is going to be because, as we know, investors will think the worst. And there are some companies that are impacted more and also less. And so, you know, clarity, transparency around that and what they're doing to mitigate these headwinds is going to be an important communication um, for for the upcoming earnings cycle. You're listening to the Ticker Podcast from IR Magazine, the sound of global investor relations. say it's the future of money. They say it's going to change the world. The blockchain, otherwise known as distributed ledger technology, the technology behind Bitcoin, will likely force plenty of change on how business gets done. When it comes to investor relations, one of the first ways IROs might feel the impact is at their annual general meeting. In theory, the blockchain can boost security, transparency, and efficiency which, when it comes to corporate democracy, would be a true revolution. Which is also why organizations like Spanish Bank Santander and fintech Broadridge Financial Solutions are taking a big bet on blockchain's promise. 
Both have been working together recently, busy conducting experiments with blockchain. Last March, Santander became the world's first company to use blockchain to help investors vote at an annual meeting. Patricia Roche is President, Investor Communication Solutions International at Broadridge Financial Solutions. She believes the blockchain has, in her words, legs. The question remains, is it transformational? Either way, for now, the whole deal hangs on one thing, the network effect. Patricia Roche on proxy pain points, the role of trust in shareholder democracy, and Broadridge's network approach to a blockchain solution. Well, we've developed our end-to-end proxy blockchain solution, leveraging our expertise in understanding the proxy process. And we saw benefits in terms of being able to store meeting information, reconcile the entitlements, and vote details. When we look at global proxy, mm-hmm. the three pain points which we understand by working with all the market participants was getting a single meeting agenda. What happens today is there's often a delay in terms of getting the agenda. And as a result of that, you're not sure if it is the accurate agenda. It's the final agenda. And then looking at it from an investor perspective, by being able to put the agenda directly on the blockchain will give investors more time to review and research the proposals. Then again, as I mentioned, we'll be able to reconcile the entitlements and the votes themselves. So the process is much more streamlined on a distributed ledger because it links all the users, and in this case, for global proxy, it's proxy voters, because each of the participants is actually receiving a copy of the ledger and changes, which are validated by all the participants collectively Mm -hmm. and updated across the network. So this is really addressing the accountability between participants and reduces what was perceived as a trust gap by allowing the network actions to be independently verified by each participant. Okay, so how will addressing these pain points uh, in terms of their day-to-day job practically uh, affect an IRO? What we've done is we've worked together with the other participants in the um, Santander. Mm Mm-hmm. So it involved Banco Santander as the corporate issuer and agent. We also worked together with J.P. Morgan as well as Northern Trust. And what we have been able to do is build out a new user face, which has provided various market participants, such as the issuer, now has the ability to real-time voting results from an institution. Uh, They are able to watch when their vote is cast. If they want to change that, they have the ability to do that as well. And then um, at the end is the end-to-end vote confirmation. I think the benefit from an IRO perspective is that everyone understands the importance of the annual meeting 
ensuring that all the investors in that company are confident in the process and being able to use new technology and be able to see the vote mm-hmm. as it proceeds through the voting chain is an important improvement and that's not you know as easily viewed today how will these mechanics change communication strategy um, uh, so, so you'll be able to kind of change your vote as you go along during the, uh, a proxy contest, or, or um, is it just the issuer that has access to, to real-time info? Um, market participants have the ability to view based on the level of permission by their role in the process. So um, a corporate issuer can see the aggregated vote totals. An institutional investor would be able to see their vote the custodian could see the aggregated votes as well. What's important is it is based on various permission levels, mm-hmm. and that ensures that only those individuals should see the appropriate level of information. So it does result in increased transparency with the appropriate controls put in place. So how will that affect strategy during a proxy contest? Well... Jeff, we haven't applied it in a contest situation yet. Okay. I think if we take a step back and maybe just look at sort of the, mm-hmm. the overall benefits the, in the case of Santander, where it was, a, it was their annual general meeting, mm-hmm. and the overall transparency with the participants having more granular vote insight, you know, they get to see daily progress against the proxy timeline, aggregated vote titles, proposal-level details in daily meeting, and proposal-level analytics. Hmm. That, again, I think would be a benefit to the IRO, just to understand, you know, are the investors voting? Do they need to take any other efforts to maybe increase voting? Okay. Um, in Santander's case, um, blockchain technology was, was only applied to the institutional vote. How close is a retail solution? Broadridge has been looking at proof of concepts not only in, in Spain, but other parts of the world. And mm-hmm. we also have conducted three annual meetings on blockchain for, for North American issuers last proxy season. Again, it was at the institutional level, and we have yet to apply to the retail. But again, the approach would be similar. Rich Daly, uh, former Broadridge CEO and now executive chairman, um, has uh, acknowledged the issue of scaling uh, in terms of, I guess, rolling it out to, to the retail. Um, he thinks that's a bit, so far a bit of a challenge. Is, is, is that what he meant? I think at this point, because we've been working with custodians that have also been investing in blockchain, mm-hmm. and they have the technologically the technological capabilities, they built their own nodes and then connected to the Broadridge permissioned blockchain. Scaling that out to retail investors is, you know, a future objective. But at this point, we haven't trialed it. You need a network effect to kind of snowball this. The network effect is important, and that's one of the areas that we're focusing. We've been able to progress the number of participants, even from the very first proof of concept, 
which we conducted with Santander on a closed blockchain back in April of 2017. And we worked with Santander, JPM, and Northern Trust. Mm -hmm. When we continued to work throughout the year, ensured that the DLT infrastructure was built, the nodes were connected. We then expanded that and then incorporated two additional large global custodians. So we were able to increase the number of participants, which leads to the network effect. And that will be the focus as we continue to build out blockchain in the future. You mean, you mean like bringing in custodian banks? Yes, adding more custodians. So we were able to, you know, double the number of global custodians participating. Okay. And they represent a substantial amount of the marketplace. They're all in the top 10 global custodians. Again, uh, uh, we'll talk about the next step. And, and, uh, but what about, and, and you did touch on this, but what about an IRO who, who is having the word blockchain whispered to them uh, by a custodian or, or whoever? Uh, why, should they, why should they pick up on this? What, what can they what can they take away from, from Santander? We are finding interest from corporate issuers mm-hmm. who, again, are understanding that in order to learn, there's benefits in co-collaborating with others who are all looking at and investing in blockchain. So while we were conducting the Banco Santander meeting, we have been approached by other corporate issuers And again, that's a bit of an indicator from an IRO perspective that they're getting inquiries from their institutional investors about, Uh. do you have an interest in blockchain? So the connection is institutional investors are also approaching Broadridge to say, we would like to better understand and participate using blockchain and then that then drives into a discussion with the corporate issuer. Mm-hmm. That could be an IR advantage in itself. I mean, that's an IR story. We, we do our proxy by blockchain, and, you know, our, our, our peers don't. That's what we're hearing. It, really? highlights, it highlights that corporate issuers are also looking at the applicability of leveraging new technology and being able to demonstrate to their investors that they're leading edge in terms of hmm. new innovations. Yes, uh, right, because blockchain has, has other applications in finance, capital markets, right? You did uh, an experiment with the, uh, the, repo mark, uh, the repo process. Yes, the bilateral repo proof of concept. Yes, we did. So we've worked with other leading companies. Back to the co-collaboration model, it's easier to work together and share learnings in, in the new technology where people are being able to talk about how better to use the technology and then problem solve together. Mm-hmm. Okay, but in terms of solving problems, um, the proxy plumbing, especially the global bit uh, with all the various handoffs and, and whatnot, blockchain really seems to be like, like, like where the action is. I'll give you some statistics, and maybe this might help you a little bit, okay? Shoot, yeah. So, with respect to global proxy, and if you're an IRO, we're conducting over 60,000 
annual general meetings around the world, and we're, and we're having to conduct voting in over 110 countries. So there's, you know, local investors, but there's also cross-border investors. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting about the 110 countries is that the market requirements do vary by country. There's criteria such as, is it a record date or non-record date market? Are there registration requirements? Is it a power of attorney market? So the reason that blockchain is important is that outside of North America, the record date for voting can be after the deadline date, which then requires each entity, so each market participant, to reconcile votes each day throughout the proxy process. So it is laborious, and it does take time in terms of doing the reconciliation for issuers around the world. By using the DLT, it streamlines the process. Everyone's working from the same Mm -hmm. ledger, and then rather than the current process, it's replacing the multiple record-keeping systems by creating a single record. That shared record of the shareholder is then kept in one place on the blockchain-based record as opposed to in multiple record now that are maintained by the banks, brokers, custodians. The net result is that the records that need to be reconciled in real time, this can be done because of the way the system is structured on the blockchain, hence more straight-through processing. The reason we're looking at it for global proxy is because in North America, you know, there's corporate issuers, the rules are a little more straightforward than having to then move out across 110 different countries. And, And this is where the complexity of voting for all corporate issuers around the world just we believe it could be more streamlined using blockchain because of some of the differences. It would just get everyone on the same page, but uh, but it, it it'll take take time with all the jurisdictions and all the custodians. Correct, and, and it's getting, getting them on all board. the the various custodians, and then the other aspect related to that would be you've got you know about 60 global custodians around the world who are putting voting into different markets. Hmm. So that's why we're trying to drive the network effect to get all the, of, uh, uh, a mass of global custodians. You are, you're focusing mostly on custodians. Correct, yes. Yeah. And that solves some of their uh, uh, pain points. Um, how, do, how does blockchain affect the whole Obo-Nobo dynamic? Objecting beneficial owner and Nobo will still remain in place. That's around the world. I think one of the reasons that we're looking at potential benefits of blockchain is looking at regulatory changes which are occurring in Europe Mm -hmm. with the upcoming shareholder rights directive part two coming into effect in June of 2019. The focus of a lot of these new directives and codes is improved corporate governance, good corporate governance. There is a requirement in the new 
shareholder rights directive that it's going to be a requirement to pass names of investors and as well as passing the votes without undue delay. And so by having and using blockchain, which is more straight through processing, this will help address new regulatory requirements in Europe. Okay. Who, who is the ideal issuer for this, uh, for blockchain proxy voting? Is there... You know, some of the companies that we worked with in, in the U.S. during the past proxy season would, would have been, you know, leading financial consumer goods co- companies. Mm-hmm. Again, I think companies that are forward-looking are trying to understand what blockchain means for them to be able to participate in a proof of concept with other leading financial institutions. You know, it's a win-win for everybody being able to work together, understand if changes will be transformational, if improvements to transparency, efficiency, security can be achieved. So it's working together and assessing if blockchain will be an improvement Hmm. is the objective of the, the POCs at this point in time. But in the meantime, uh, before this whole networking thing takes hold, um, you can be a leader in your peer group in this area and, and, and maybe an IR kind of a selling point. It's the transparency component, Jeff. Hmm. How do you demonstrate that you're looking forward, you're making voting as easy and convenient and showing that the vote has been cast as, has been counted as cast? And blockchain just helps facilitate that. It's also kind of cool. Like we said, you're on trend. That's why we're getting approached is because Broadridge as a leading fintech wants to be able to help support our clients. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot easier when we're all working together. We've, you know, seen the benefits with the couple of pilots that we've done with Santander we're now moving to new geographies. We're also, you know, looking at applicability to support the shareholder rights directive. So it's an exciting time, and we definitely want to understand how this can continue to support our clients, support their investors, and improve corporate governance. Patricia, what about the future? Uh, more tests planned? Um, how far are we away from from sort of the experiment stage? We are actively looking at expanding our pilots, mm-hmm. and it is based on adding additional clients, you know, corporate issuers, custodians, in order to generate the critical mass and build the commercial model. And at this point, we're in discussions with various firms in order to, to accomplish that. The biggest facet right now is that People are looking at how it can be used, and and once we do more pilots and and take it further, then we'll know if, in fact, it it has legs or if there's other ways that we should be addressing this. But for global proxy, there's definitely some advantages to to the current process, and the winners are all the market participants. And that's all for your Ticker Podcast this week. My thanks to Broadridge Financial Solutions, Patricia Roche. 
and I want to know what you think about the blockchain or anything else that's on your mind. Your comments are welcome. Send us a voice memo. And there's still time to book your place at the IR Magazine Forum Women in IR Europe. That's Friday morning, November 9th at the Gherkin in London. Thanks for listening. In Montreal, I'm Jeff Cassette.